I am Jeff Luther and the host of your new favorite podcast, The Inspector Alliance. This is where we'll peel back the curtain and get behind successful service industry businesses to see just what makes them tick. We're going to focus around the home inspection business. That's what I've built. I've owned it for a little over 20 years now. But we'll also include other service businesses that might parallel ours so we can learn more. But the more we know, the better off we are, right? All right. We're back this week with the Inspector Alliance for our podcast, and we have a beyond special guest. Uh, Melanie Selko does all the all the magic for Home Probe. She is responsible for making the phone ring. She does um, really the business development. She drives the business. She drives a lot of things at the organization, but the main thing is she drives sales. Mel, thank you. Hey. I like to be called the rainmaker. That's because you are the rainmaker. <laughs> Very fitting. Um, all right. So how long have you been in, just generally speaking, even before before here, how long have you been in marketing, business development, advertising, that whole make the phone ring arena? So I... Uh, want to say I've been doing it since birth because I really believe like that I've been giving voice to like my ideas and selling my ideas. I think uh, there's nothing wrong with sales. I think sales are a wonderful thing. And so I've just never shied away from it. So even in high school, um, I would do things that were sales oriented. Like I did fundraising for a politician and I just, I've never not done something like that. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's so true, right? We're all in the business of sales, particularly when we um, get into that high school age, right? <laughs> We're always selling, <laughs> yes. always selling something. Um, yeah, and so so very good points. Um, so, what are the difference now? Now you're you're in a position now. You, in your background, you've done you've done some sales, retail sales. You've done online sales. Um, professionally speaking, um, give us just a quick synopsis of your background in terms of business development, marketing, sales. Okay, uh, so I majored in journalism with an emphasis in public relations, which I think is related to all of this, and I did. Uh, some work for uh, a public relations agency in college that did um, a lot of, they did a lot of country music stuff. So that was really fun to get to do country music festivals and stuff like that with them. And then after college, I did employee benefits, but really what I was doing was running a retirement plan. And then I would go out and sell that retirement plan to the participants to, sorry, to the employees of the doctors, because the doctors got to participate more if the employees participate. So um, I did that. And then um, I had a bunch of kids and stayed home with the kids. And then um, when I got my feet back wet, I worked for an online retailer who did furniture. They sold furniture and lighting online before anybody even thought of it, including the companies who made the furniture and lighting. And so oh, wow. it was really fun to work for a pioneer in that industry. Okay. And then I did freelance stuff. So I got to pick my own clients and then I came to work for you. All right. Um, us, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right. 
now you're, which is, which is interesting because now it's selling a service, right? Which is a little bit different. Um, and I have, I have an opinion there, but, uh, for our audience, I think yours is much more valuable than mine. So I'm going to ask you, what would you say is probably one of the bigger differences in selling a, a, a thing versus selling a service? So to me, I first think of how they're the same. Uh, I think the difference is a service is easier for someone to be disappointed in um, than a thing. A thing, I think people can have more confidence in what they're buying um, because they can see it. And if, so if you think about furniture, even furniture and lighting, you can see a picture of it. And so the um, the sale of it is really to get somebody to look at the picture and envision themselves with it. Our service, the final product is a report that even people who pay for the report, we have a hard time getting them to read it. <laughs> so we for sure aren't getting people ahead of time to read the report. And so to really envision what the service is, I think that's the harder part of service is everybody has an idea of what it should be in their head. And so to get them to understand what it is at the same time that you want them to buy it from you. Um, so you want to only talk about the positive parts of it, I think is the difficult part. Yeah. Um, and then I guess without leading you too much, do you find um, that it becomes a lot more personal for you? And if you stand up in the front of the room and you're speaking to a group of 60 folks that have the opportunity or that are potential customers of yours, would you find that it's easier to sell a tangible good or easier to sell a service that's done by a human? I think a good, a, you know, so I look at people to me, like the mortgage people are very similar to us. They're selling to the same, yeah. the same gate gatekeeper. Um, but they have a tangible thing. So it's like your interest rate is your interest rate is your interest rate. It's like a number. Right. And so it's easy for somebody to buy it. And so they're trying to talk about all the service that goes behind that number. But at the end of the day, ours is so much a service and it feels like people buy it based on like my reputation feels very attached to that yep. service. Whereas a number is a number. Yep. Yeah. And if the lamp is broken, then it's just the lamp's fault, right? We know if, if you've clicked the little switch and doesn't come on, then uh, the lamp is broken. Whereas with what you're doing and what you're, what you're selling is very subjective. So. Right. So like, and the other instance is nobody calls to say the lamp's broken because it didn't turn on when I came into the house. Cause that's not the expectation yeah. of a lamp. Everybody has sort of the same expectation of the things, but of a service, everybody has a different idea of what it should include in their head. And so they call for things that aren't even part of our service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, that's probably a whole, uh, a whole nother month's worth of episodes there. Um, so now I'll add a, another layer of complexity for our audience in, in that similar question is, um, not only are you selling a service, but you're also selling a service around someone buying a home. Have you found that when people buy homes, it's a, an emotional experience? I found that when I bought a house and, uh, 
I remember telling you when I interviewed for this position, we had bought three homes um, by the time I came to you and the home inspector was the constant for us as a couple um, because the home inspection really gave me the power to buy an old house, knowing my husband and I are not handy. Uh, we really wanted to know a lot about that house to know whether we could we could do it or not. And so the home inspection, home inspection for me as a home buyer was the most important part of the transaction. And so um, I get how emotional buying a house is and how scared, I think one of the biggest emotions is fear and fear that you're gonna make the wrong move. Um, and so that something will go wrong with this house and you'll regret having bought it, I think is probably what, or that you'll pass up a house that you really should have bought. You know, everybody I think is waiting to should have on themselves. Yeah. Later. Yeah. yeah that, boy, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So I know the answer to this question, but our audience does not. How long have you been with home probe? I have been here nine almost in a half years. Oh my so, gosh. I thought you were going to say weeks. It's a long time to be somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So tell us about your, tell us about your marketing department. How many people, the full-time, part-time, um, how do you run them all a little, just a, a little bit about the folks that you work with every day. Okay. I think what is so fun is when I came to Home Probe, there was no marketing department and I came to help a little bit with marketing and help other, you know, fill in other things. Like Jeff Luther was the marketing department. Yeah. So it's really fun to watch a company grow. I remember, to have um, a marketing department. So, I remember getting in a, uh, I mean, I'll, for lack of a better term, I'll say an argument with you during the interview process about you taking the marketing away from me. And I, and I remember, thinking and saying, I was like, well, you'll never do that. And now I have to ask permission <laughs> for, for me to go out and do any marketing. My, how the turn. Table. So we do have a department now. Yeah. It's very fun. It's very fun. In fact, and most of them are taking the marketing away from me, which is even more yeah. fun. Um, the day-to-day -day marketing. So we have someone in each of our markets who's responsible for the business development. And I treat them almost like they're the, they're the mini business owner in that market. They're the, they're the ones that are face-to-face -face with the, the people that we market to, which um, is real estate agents. And, uh, and so they each have a little bit of a different, um, they're both full-time and they each have a little bit of a different, um, have different strengths. And then I help with the messaging and that's what I think that um, I'm best at. And then we have an assistant for our department as well. So I uh, structure the umbrella of what is our messaging? What do we want to talk about? And then I also run our education, um, the education arm of our department where uh, that's one of the on-ramps to being able to work with us is being able to be in some of our classes um, where we talk about inspection and homes and other things that realtors need to know about. And that gives a, that gets them used to our standard of excellence. And so they're not, it makes them more comfortable working with us in a home inspection. Yeah. Um, and I'll touch on something a little different and, and you and I are a, a bit at odds on this, but I've seen the big difference you've, you've made. Um, so you kind of run two departments, really. You have our business development department, you make the phone ring, but you also are 
guiding our folks that answer the phone, which tilting my hand a little bit, I'm trying to get you out of that, but I've also seen the magic that you've made in, in combining the two or keeping the two in sync. Can you tell us a little bit about why you think that's important to stay involved in both and, and how you've managed that? Why, how I've managed it is I fight you tooth and nail <laughs> every time you try and take me out. And the reason for it is because I've seen the success. So making the phone ring is important, but then making the people on the phone comfortable enough, you're still selling at that point. You're, you're either selling when in times when the market is booming for buyers and it's really a seller's market, you're selling the, our lack of availability, essentially. You're like, I'm selling that you want to work with us, even though it's going to take you two days to work with us or three days to work with us. Or you're selling um, in a time where um, where there's less volume, you're selling us in, and our expertise. Um, and so having that and understanding what's happening with the people who are referring our business to us, you understand that when you're out and when you're out in the field with them, and so I've been able to carry their needs back to our client experience department and tell them, how can you make these people's day? And then I want to inspire them to make those people's day because uh, that's what keeps our business going. So both, you know, it's, it's like you need both sides of it in order to have success. Yeah. And it's hard for me to see that because I see you spread so thin, you know, uh, burning both ends of the candle, so to speak, but I'll say it on camera and you're doing a, a fantastic job at it better than me. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> what's that? I said, it's fun. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Um, all right. So we, we know in our, and our audience probably does too, a, a lot of the marketing that's done in a service business is about relationships getting in front of folks. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your how marketing during uh, our reaction to uh, to COVID? Um, how did that change? So it was much scarier. In fact, I wondered were we even going to have marketing when people there were no people to get in front of. Um, I remember doing my first webinar. I was terrified. Um, I was like, let's start doing webinars because people still need to hear about this stuff. And I was absolutely terrified um, of that webinar and of Zoom. And now it's like second nature to us. But I think that uh, one of the things that I learned was um, that people were still buying and selling houses and the home inspection wasn't going anywhere. And so they still needed to know, they looked to us to see how the home inspection process was going to go so they could inform their clients yeah. um, because they didn't know how it would be different in COVID. And so we started having more clout in, and I started realizing how much value we really add from what's in our head versus the whining and dining we do in order to get, um, in order to get that space in front of people. And that was such uh, such a great thing, I think, for both us as the home inspection company and I think for our audience, the real estate agent, because now I'm constantly focused on what is the value here for them besides, even if I'm bringing breakfast, I want to bring some value besides that breakfast. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that the you know the webinars and doing the when we started doing CE classes online, it was the same thing. You know, it's nothing to stand up. And and what's so funny is I've watched you. You stand up in front of a room of a hundred people, no big deal at all. And then you're on a webinar, and you don't there's a, you don't even see the first person. And it was it was the same for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I was <laughs> nervous. But we see ourselves. I think that's part of the problem oh. is like in, when I teach a class, nobody has a mirror <laughs> like looking at me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. you're right. I never even thought about that. Um, okay. So, so then how did your approach change? So you went from, and, and I, I remember, I remember uh, I, we went from the best week financially we'd ever had as a company to the worst week that we had had in 12 years financially. And that was that week that, uh, that everything shut down. So what was going, I don't want to know what was going through your head cause I'm sure it wasn't great, but, and you may not remember hopefully. Um, but what, what, then what changed? Then all of a sudden you had, you had to pivot because of our reaction to COVID. Then you had, had to pivot again. Because because of the market, you had the, you know, we were really busy. You had the folks answering answer the phones and marketing almost, we were doing it, it, the company marketed itself to some degree. Right. The demand was so high. And I think that being one of the front leaders during the time where everybody didn't know what was happening helped position us to be in a really great, really great spot. I think that's when the client experience side really was important because one of the things that I gathered was the, were these multiple offer situations. And so the thing we knew about our schedule is it was gonna change significantly in one day's time. And how could we adapt and be flexible to say yes to as many people as possible without, uh, without putting anybody in, in some danger. And so it helped us as a client experience department, once the phone rang and somebody wanted to work with us, be able to know, like, how can we, uh, how can we say yes to these people who are still going under contract? So that's when we, we started letting people book inspections who weren't already under contract because we knew they'd be under contract for like a day. <laughs> And we wanted to give as many people opportunity for inspection as possible. And we didn't want to hurt the company by having open spaces on our on our calendar that we lost later. Um, families we couldn't serve because the time would have passed us. And so I think that was really important to see what was happening out in the real estate world and to be able to adapt our service to it, to serve as many people as possible. Right, yep. Um... So now the market has changed again. Um, all of a sudden <laughs> we find ourselves, yeah. And you know, and not only has the market changed. Right, I know. Like, What's that? No, keep going. Um, not only has the market changed, of course, you know, the real estate market is down, but all of our markets are down uh, where we do business. But also what, what people don't realize is during that boom, our business suffered as well. You know, I mean, your cancellations were up. We had, uh, we had people that were, were foregoing the right to an inspection. So yeah, real estate was busy, but the home inspection business suffered. Yeah. And we had to really make sure to protect our spaces on our schedule. 
Um, because they, it would be very easy to lose a whole day's inspections in two hours. Things would go wrong and people would back out of, you know, buyers were very flighty right then. They were overpaying for houses. And, um, and so we had to really protect our business interests at the same time as helping the, the families that we wanted to serve by being available for them. So it was, it was, it was trickier than it sounds. It wasn't like we stood out there with a rake and just raked in the business. Um, there was a lot, yeah. there was a lot of strategy and, and flexibility. And we were uh, positioned really well. I think that, you know, the 18 years ahead of that, of building up this company positioned us to be big enough to be able to absorb some of that where, uh, where it wouldn't have been possible without that size. Yeah. Um, so real talk now, how are you guiding, how are you guiding your folks now? Um, the market is tough. I mean, that's an understatement, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, how are you keeping them positive? And, and I know you're keeping them positive because I talk to them too, but how are you guiding them? How are you keeping them positive? How are you, how are you being a leader? How about that? Yeah, I think that everybody... I would way rather have to turn people away because we had way too much demand. Like that's a way better problem to have. They're both problems though. You have to remember they both come with negative sides. So this market is really tough because it's hard. You you take it more personally um, that, that the business isn't just coming in um, the way that it was coming in. And the thing that I think is most important is to remember we have the thing that's valuable and it always was the case that not everybody wanted to work with us. We just didn't have to see it as often. And so uh, the most important thing is to remember we are the lighthouse guiding people into us. And that hasn't changed and it shouldn't change depending on the market. And the people who, who aren't a fit just aren't a fit. And it's not personal to us as a you know, as a sales or a business development person, that's not personal. Um, the, the point is we have to be that light, we have to be that lighthouse, particularly in a down market where a lot of our competitors will start lowering their prices to try and get business. We have to protect the value of a home inspection. Um, I think across the market, we're protecting that value by being that lighthouse. And so we can't get into scarcity and needing um, needing business more than, than our clients need us. Um, yeah, very, very well put. Um, <clears throat> I'm still processing that. That was awesome. Thank you. That's a uh, benefit for me <laughs> and for our audience. So the next question is probably a little difficult. Um, and I don't know there's a right answer, but if you knew now, 12, if you knew 12 months ago, what you knew now about what the market would be like, is there anything, can you think of anything that you would have done differently? Any, uh, a different choice you would have made? Would you have behaved differently? That is such a tough question because one of the things, I think that one of the things that separates people who are, um, who can do business development and continue to do it regardless of the market and people who can't is how personal they take things. And so if you say I would have done something different, it often means I should have done something different. So uh, when I think about that, but then I also think 
if you're given 12 months hindsight, while you know, I, I would hope every time you would change something. So I think the thing that I would change, we had started really branching out in our marketing and making it more diverse, like reaching out to uh, to start marketing to consumers. And I think I thought that the big market was going to go longer and we would have a longer time to really develop that skill. And so I think I would have, had I known 12 months ago when the market was going to change, I think I would have limited that. And I think I would have started building in, you know, it was easy to say yes to, um, to market in places that may not have been as great of fits for us because we would probably get a little something out of it in a good market. And in when the market's down, you have to be really careful. Uh, and so I think I would have been more careful. I would have started building that muscle of what's a really big benefit for us. Uh, so, but then again, we wouldn't have had the lessons that we learned by make, by doing it a different way, so. Yeah, and I must say, I always appreciate uh, that you're finding the, you're finding the value in anything. Um, one of the many things that uh, I admire about you. Thanks for that. So when people ask me about business in general and they say, you know, what's a young person? So your 21 year old self, what would you tell your 21 year old self if you were starting a business? And one of the things I constantly say is pay yourself first, right? Otherwise, why are you doing this? Because as entrepreneurs, we suffer and we think everything's got to be hard and we do for others before we do for ourselves all the time. So I'll ask you for someone that's trying to, to either start a home inspection business or maybe grow one rapidly right now. Um, what would be one takeaway you would offer them? One, one small, I mean, it doesn't have to be the silver bullet, but one small little thing, what would you, what would you advise maybe them or their marketing person? So I'll talk to them as the marketer or their marketing person uh, and say, uh, you got to take risks or you're going to stay right where you are. So if you want to grow, you're going to have to do some things wrong in order to grow. And the best way I think to do that is it becomes then a numbers game instead of an emotional game of how good you are at your job. So you define the area of the risk. And you define how much risk you're willing to put into that area. And that's what we did when we started marketing to the consumer. And then you take the lesson or you take the win. But um, but you decide ahead of time that, that it was a good choice to try it. And if you're not willing to try anything, you're not willing to grow. And atrophy will kick will, will come back and get, and get you. So you have to be willing to take some kind of risk. But in order for it not to hurt you, you have to then boil it down to numbers what did I think I was going to get with this risk? And then did I get it or did I not get it? And what would I change about it the next time? That's awesome. Fail fast, right? Ooh, that's, you put it even better. Fail fast. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I've taken up more time than you committed to me already. Uh, I'm very grateful. I hope, I think our audience probably now knows how lucky they are to have been able to listen to you for the 25 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> anything you want to add? I would also add, listen to what Jeff Luther says. Every time I listen to Jeff Luther, I come out ahead. So yeah. it's a treat 
to get to be on your podcast and it's more of a treat to get to work with you every day. Yeah, so, it's neutral you. for sure. Hey, thanks a ton. I can't tell you how good it is to see you here. You have no idea. Um, and we'll chat soon. All right. Win the rest of your day. <laughs>